Hello, I'm John Horrigan, and you're listening to The Folklorist, new TV's Emmy Award-winning original program. To learn more about the series or to watch an episode online, visit thefolklorist.newtv.org. Molasses isn't just used for grandma's cookies or for grandpa's rum. It's also used for weapons, high explosives, and munitions when it's refined to industrial-grade alcohol. And the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, during World War I, saw that this was a profitable market. And their subsidiary, the Purity Distilling Company, wanted to get in on the action. In the north end of Boston, Arthur Gell, treasurer of the Purity Distilling Company, realizes that he has to build a tank you see, he's purchased a boatload of molasses that's heading north from the Caribbean, and he's got no place to put it. He commissions the Hammond Iron Works Company, and he doesn't pull a building permit. He only pulls a permit for the foundation. Therefore, he's not scrutinized by any building inspectors. So the Hammond Iron Works puts together 18 huge steel plates with rivets, and they build this magnificent tank. It's 58 feet tall. 90 feet in diameter, a 240-foot circumference, and they're going to fill it with molasses. Only one problem, that ship is inbound, and if they don't have that tank built, the ship will dump the molasses that they paid for into the harbor. Well, December 1915 is a tough year weather-wise in Boston. Two major snowstorms, one dumping 20 inches of snow in Boston, along with some casualties on the construction site make the deadline move closer and closer and closer. Finally, as the ship is pulling into Boston Harbor, the tank is complete. Arthur cuts some corners. Instead of filling the tank to the top with water to test the structural integrity, he decides to only fill it six inches high. And Arthur declares it sturdy, sound, and ready to use. Bring us the molasses. Isaac Gonzalez, a technician, noticed the molasses seemed to be congealing around the rivet joints, and it started to seep from the seams and roll down the side of the tank in rivulets. He noticed children going to the base of the tank, taking sticks and putting the molasses in their mouths. They were getting on their clothes. Well, he brought this to Arthur Gell's attention, and Arthur said, never mind, we'll repaint it gray, and that's what they did to cover up the molasses stains. Another technician noticed when he leaned against the tank that he heard this low rumbling noise that sounded like the growl of an angry animal. Another leaning against the tank swears that he could hear a heartbeat and that the tank was undulating in and out, in and out. There was something wrong. This wasn't molasses fermenting. No, no, it was bubbling inside. This was an ominous sign that something was wrong with the integrity of the tank. Nineteen nineteen, the Malero is offloading nearly two million gallons of molasses into the tank at 529 Commercial Street. On January 12th, the temperatures are freezing near zero. The following day on the 13th, they swing 35 degrees and they're in the low 40s. By January 15th, it's a beautiful day in Boston. The sun is out and it's nearing lunchtime. 
The whistle sounds. All around 529 Commercial Street. It's bustling. It's Boston's North End. Mrs. Clority is hanging her wash. Her cat Peter sits on the doorstep. Mrs. O'Brien is planting geraniums. Little Maria D'Astasio is near the train tracks collecting free firewood. And then suddenly, a low rumble shook the ground. It sounded like thunder and got louder and louder and louder. In the freight yard, people looked at each other. And suddenly, the ripping, tearing, and machine gun sound of steel bolts being snipped at their butts. Something's happening with the tank. There's a booming roar, and a 40-foot wave of molasses is unleashed. Death all around. No chance to react. It crushes freight cars like toys, topples buildings. Anyone caught in the path of this wave is devoured. When the noise and the rumbling stopped, there was a thick pool of molasses spread over where 529 Commercial Street used to be. By sundown, 15 bodies are recovered, six more the following morning. 150 people would be injured. Later, there are lawsuits. In fact, 3,000 witnesses come forward, and the lawyers try to deflect the blame from the United States Industrial Alcohol Company and Purity Distilling. It wasn't the infrastructure of the tank. It was anarchists. They planted a bomb. And they get off the hook for the great molasses disaster. Legend has it, on hot summer days, you can still smell that bittersweet molasses scent that harkens back to the great molasses flood of 1919. There's more to come on The Folklorist. Thank you.